0: Coming up on The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. And until you let your past die, it will not let your future live. And there are some people in your life, surely, that have hurt you, that have wounded you, that have done things to you today, yesterday, last week, or 20 years ago. And if you hear their name, or if you think about them, and that thing rises up in you, you need to forgive them. hurts, And people do things to us, betrayal, rejection, hurt, uh, you know, take things from us that, that don't belong to them, or, you know, just do things to relatives or people that we love. And, and these scars develop, and unforgiveness is very common for all of us. And it, it can accumulate in our lives. But here's what Jesus said in Matthew 18 about this issue of forgiveness. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? and I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and came and told their master all that had been done. does not forgive his brother, his trespasses. Now, this is a sobering scripture. And the good thing is God will give us as much grace as we give away. The, the amount of grace, the Bible says, judge not and you will not be judged. It says that when we give, it will be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. In the context there is mercy and grace. In Luke chapter six, and so Jesus is telling a story here. Now listen, listen to the ridiculousness of this story. The man owed his master $10 million dollars an amount of money that was insurmountable that he could have never even paid the interest on. And he begged his master for forgiveness and his master forgave him. And then after being forgiven, one of his fellow servants owed him $10,000, 100 denarii. And he begged him for forgiveness, but he wouldn't and demanded that he pay him back. And then we see God's response to that. I, I wanna talk about how to forgive, what forgiveness means and how to forgive because all of us have people that we need to forgive, not just once, but daily, how to forgive. The, the first meaning of forgiveness is permanently forgiving all debt and bringing the balance to zero. If you owe me anything, I haven't forgiven you. In other words, forgiveness means I forgive, it's, it's, it's given. The, the Greek word for forgive is the word athemi, and it literally means to send away or to leave. It means it's gone. I'm letting go of this, and it's gone away from me. I bring the balance to zero, just like this master did with his servant. You owe me nothing, I forgive you. But he wouldn't forgive his other servant. Second, The second meaning of forgiveness is permanently for- forfeiting the right of reproach. It means I'm not gonna punish you for what you've done personally. I'm not gonna punish you, and when I see you or hear about you, I will not act in an unbecoming way, like he did, grabbing his fellow servant and beating him until he paid. Number three is permanently forgoing all expressions of private and public judgment. You don't talk bad about that person. You don't slander that person. Privately, you don't go around saying or doing things against that person, because if you have, you haven't forgiven. You trust God with all those things. Here's some forms of unforgiveness. Revenge, all revenge is, is unforgiveness. Hate, obviously, um, slander, gossip, sarcasm, verbal abuse, name-calling, labels, idiot, jerk, moron, you know, witch, all those kind of things, it's, that's unforgiveness. Divorce is a form of unforgiveness. Jesus said in Matthew 19, you divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. It's a form of unforgiveness. Five, rejection and avoidance for punishment's sake. Again, I'm going to get you back, and this is especially true of close relationships. Withholding good, transfer of affection, bigotry, prejudice, racism, sexism, all of that is a form of hatred and unforgiveness. Bitterness, rehearsing the hurt, is I'm bitter, I just keep rehearsing it constantly inside. Internally wishing for bad things to happen to them and praying against them. Those are all forms of unforgiveness. If these are things that are going on inside of you, it just means... You haven't forgiven yet. So let's talk about how to forgive. Jesus said, forgive from the heart. If you don't forgive from your heart, and that means you're not just saying it with your lips. This is something that's actually taking place in your life. How do you forgive from the heart? Number one, we must remember that our sins cost Jesus his life. He hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that was the truth. When I was in my sin, I did not know what I was doing. But I put Jesus Christ on the cross, and that's the gospel truth. And I've I've gotta sober myself up, rather than telling myself, well, I'm really a good person, but other people are bad. I am not a good person. I wasn't a good person. Goodness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. All of my righteousness is like filthy rags. But while I was still in my sin, Jesus died for me. I owe him everything for what he did for me. But he did it for me after I put him on the cross. I have to remember the price that my master gave me. This is what the foolish servant did not do. He had been forgiven 10 million dollars and acted as though he was a holy Joe when he saw somebody else that owed him money. The second thing is we must remember that God loves our offender as much as he loves us, Christian or not. And so you can look at people around the world of different religions or different uh, political temperament or, or, you know, whatever it might be, God loves. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Not God so loved America, you know. God so loved Republicans or Democrats. God so loved white people or black people or brown people or red people or yellow people. God loves everybody the same. Aren't you glad that our God is a loving God? He doesn't hate anybody. He hates the devil. But our God is a loving God. So I. When you label people, you devalue that person and you give yourself permission to treat them poorly. That's what we do. We call them names, we, we discredit them somehow by calling them names and we somehow give ourselves a higher value than them and that gives us permission to hate them. Well, God loves them as much as he loves us and that's just the truth. Number three, we must make a permanent release of their debt to us and release their judgment to God. God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Unforgiveness is a form of unbelief because unforgiveness says, I do not believe he'll take care of it if I give it to him. Unforgiveness is unbelief. Faith says, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to carry the burden of this. First of all, I don't know everything about this individual and what has happened to them in their life and, and all the other you know, issues that they're going through. So I'm going to release the, the judgment to God and I absolutely believe that my God will be faithful. I absolutely believe that my God will be faithful in doing whatever needs to be done. If punishment is required, if grace is required, whatever it is, I'm releasing it. That's what it means, Epheme. I'm releasing all of this to my God and I believe that he cares and he'll do the right thing. Unforgiveness means I don't trust him. I don't, I don't think God's gonna take care of it. Number four, we must bless them and pray for them. And this is where healing comes from. Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you pray for those who spitefully use you that's what Luke 6 28 says bless those who curse you that's not just a trite little scripture it is the secret of God healing your heart how do you forgive from your heart you bless that person if you can't bless them you haven't forgiven them and blessing them means Lord bless them save them forgive them don't hold this against them that's what Jesus said on the cross father forgive them they don't know what they're doing The other thing is you have to resist Satan because he's the accuser of the brethren. He will come just as surely as you've forgiven. He's going to come back. He's going to bring the offense, the hurt back. Something's going to trigger. A song is going to come on. A smell is going to come. Something's going to happen, and it's going to trigger what that individual did to you. About two weeks ago, somebody said something to me that reminded me of some of the deepest hurt I've been through in my life. They made a statement, very innocently. This is a good person that said this. Very innocently, they made this statement, and it, trick, it took me instantly back to one of the most painful things that ever happened to me in my life. And I had to forgive that individual all over again, but just because that trigger came. And there it was. The devil's gonna come and try to put his finger in that wound again. And it may be tonight, it may be three years from now, he's gonna try to stir that thing up. You've gotta take your thoughts captive, and every time it comes back up, you've gotta go through the same process. I put Jesus on the cross, he loves them as much as he loves me. I trust God, I I bring the balance to zero, I forgive them and I trust God to do whatever needs to be done and Lord, I bless them. And as you go through that process, it will heal your heart and it closes the door on the devil. Unforgiveness is torment. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you're gonna be turned over to tormentors. You're on your way to heaven, God will never love you less or more based on what you do. You're loved by God. That cannot be changed, and I'm so thankful for that. But when we will not forgive, we live in torment. It opens us up to demonic torment, and it's the truth. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. It just makes us free. And until you let your past die, it will not let your future live. And there are some people in your life, surely, that have hurt you, that have wounded you, that have done things to you today, yesterday, last week, or 20 years ago. And if you hear their name or if you think about them and that thing rises up in you, you need to forgive them. And you may have gone through the process. And some people say, well I keep saying I forgive them but my feelings don't change. If you bless that person on a regular basis and go through these steps, feeling, God will heal your heart. You'll, be free. You'll hear their name and your blood pressure won't go up. You won't sit and lay in bed at night rehearsing what happened and hoping to see their obituary soon and in graphic detail. I've never done that, but y'all do.
1: Understand how to have a real relationship with God and the foundations of knowing him with Jimmy's new series, The Good Life. This practical series will show you how to experience God through prayer, the key to hearing God's voice, and how to conquer your thought life. For your gift of $50 or more, we'll send you the Good Life series on CD or audio download, plus Jimmy's book, 10 Steps Toward Christ. For your gift of $90 or more, we'll send you the series on DVD or video download, and the book.
0: And here's my prayer that I pray on a regular basis. God, closed doors for me that no man can open, and open doors for me that no man can close until I'm standing in your perfect will. For
1: your gift of any amount, we'll send you the message, a daily dynamic prayer life as a digital
0: download. And when you wake up in the morning, you say, I don't know, I don't know what to pray about. What are you worried about, right? Your prayer list is your worry list. God has a fulfilling
1: plan for you. Experience the good life today.
0: Number two issue of being free from our past is iniquities. Iniquities. This is Deuteronomy 5. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. The word iniquity is the word avon in the Hebrew language, and it means to bend or twist. It's like a tree that's just been blown in a certain direction for years, and all of a sudden it looks like this. Rather than being straight, it's blown. An iniquity is a tendency to a negative behavior or sin because of the environment you were raised in, especially because of your parents. God says, I will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and fourth generation, but mercy to thousands. Your life is generationally connected to the generation before you. And and I make this statement, to people sometimes, and I don't mean to be arrogant, but, but having been a pastor for a long time and talked to a lot of people, and even in my own life, you tell me about your parents, I'll tell you about your grandparents. Because our lives are connected. One family, you know, one generation gets poked, the next one says, ouch. Your family has profoundly influenced who you are. And I've never met an individual without an iniquity. I had many iniquities when I got saved. Karen had more than me, and uh, she didn't. She's, she's always better than me, I just, I just joke. But we both had a lot of iniquities that we had to break. Now listen, listen to what I'm about to say. Karen and I made the decision early in our Christian lives that we would be the end of iniquities in our family and that we would not pass those on to our children. We're the end of it. However many generations this baloney has been taking place, we're going to stop the iniquities, and we want to pass on blessing to a 1,000 generations. Anybody agree with what I'm saying? Whatever was done to me. Okay. So here's how to break iniquities. First of all is you have to identify them. Is What are they? Well, let me just name some here for you, and, and just remember your family that you came out of, because this is what I'm talking about. Anger, substance abuse, chauvinism, sexism, physical abuse, racism, bigotry, verbal abuse, immorality, pride, sexual abuse, negativity, dishonesty, materialism, perfectionism, gossip, unforgiveness, greed, conditional love, and there are many, many others. But the main thing is, this is a tendency that I have that I can trace back to my family history. And so here are just some questions, and you say, well, I I don't know if I have them or not. Well, let me just ask you some questions about your childhood and the way you were parented. When you were growing up, were you exposed to things that were biblically sound and morally correct? I mean, was your family a godly family? That's what I'm asking. The the way the people in your family resolved conflict, was it biblical? The way your family handled money, were they godly in the way that they viewed and handled money? The way your parents treated others in attitudes about the opposite sex? Was your mother and father, were they respectful of one another? Were they respectful of other people? Attitudes towards submission to God in the Bible. Attitudes toward children and values in life. I mean, was it biblical? Because if, if it was biblical, you grew up like this. If it wasn't, you grew up like this. Okay. And so that's one question. The other is, do you practice the same things you didn't agree with or like about your parents? You know, have you ever grown up not liking something about your parents and then figured out a little bit later you were doing it? I've never done that. Y'all have. <laughs> I did. My, my father did this, and I hated it when I was growing up. My father snapped his fingers and said, little man, little man, that's what my brothers and I call each other, little man, little man. <laughs> my father get mad, he, little man, you better, you better dry it up, okay? And I just thought, I hate that. I hate, hate, snapping fingers and <laughs> One time, our daughter did something, Julie did something, I said, Julie. I went, no, no, no! So I've practiced some of the things in life. Have you ever dealt properly with those things that you viewed as being wrong? I mean, have you ever dealt with them? And you may recognize that your family, and you just say, this is kind of our family. Well, let, let's talk about how to deal with them. You have to recognize it, kind of ne- give it a name, what it is. Take responsibility for your own behavior. Don't blame your parents. Just say, I'm chauvinistic. I'm, I'm negative. I'm prideful. Um, I have a tendency to medicate my problems rather than dealing with them properly. Uh, Whatever it is, just, you know, all of the above. The third thing, you have to forgive your parents. You have to forgive your mom and dad. Again, you tell me about your parents, I'll tell you about your grandparents. And my mom and dad, when I was growing up, you know, and I have wonderful parents, and and Karen does too, but we both had issues that, you know, sometimes I would look at my parents and I'd say, "Why why do they do that? Well, then later when I grew up and I heard about their childhood, I thought, well, of course, my parents are so healthy and normal compared to what they ought to be. If I was raised in the environment that, I, that they were, my father was raised in abject poverty. He slept outside every night on a cot. Um, he slept with the horses in the wintertime. He only ate meat once a week. They were so poor. Um, he didn't have shoes when he went to the first grade. Uh, my father lived in abject poverty, and it, and it affected him. And I didn't know that when I was growing up. I didn't know how poor my, my dad had been. And, um, but, but when I found out, uh, and my dad never talked about it. It was my aunts, one of them's not sitting out here listening right now, but it was my aunts that told me the stories about my father. Uh, I heard another story um, when I was at my dad's funeral. One of my uncles was telling me about my dad getting uh, beat up. My dad was a football player in high school. And my dad, all the football players had gotten off the bus, um, to go in somewhere, and my dad stayed on the bus for whatever reason, and the other team came on the bus and beat my dad hard, I mean, beat him up real hard. When I heard those, I didn't know that, but when I heard those stories, it explained everything. I mean, the way my dad reacted to certain circumstances, I would just think, he's crazy. He was scarred. Poverty left scars on him. Him getting beat up by that, those other guys, it left a scar on my dad. And, and he responded to that in a certain way. And when I look back on my mom and dad, I just give them grace. I say, God, give them grace. You know, Here's kind of a funny thing. We have a tendency to want mercy for us and justice for our parents. Is that true? Yeah. But why don't we just all get some grace? How about that? Why don't I give my mom and dad some grace and forgive them and everybody else too and, and take grace for myself? And here's the next thing, this is the final one about dealing with iniquity, submit it to Jesus. And you just say, Lord, I, I, I was mistaught about how to deal with the opposite sex, about how to deal with people of color, or people, uh, white people, I, I just don't know. People of other religions, I don't know how, I'm negative, Lord, I'm, I'm ungodly, I'm immoral, I'm whatever. Jesus, I submit this area to you. And what happens is, when you go through that process, this is what happens. And I break this iniquity off of my life in the name of Jesus and off of our family, and I declare that it will not visit my children and grandchildren. And if I've already mistrained my children and grandchildren, I break it off of them now, and I'm gonna be a good example to them. It's never too late. It's never too late to deal with those issues. One other issue is inner vows. Unforgiveness, iniquities, and inner vows. An inner vow is a self-directed promise resulting from an unpleasant experience or hurt from a life situation by a parent or someone else. And it means I went through something bad. It's the opposite of an iniquity. And an example, it, it, we do this to comfort ourselves. You're going through something and we, we comfort ourselves by saying, I'm not coming back here. I'm not coming back here. I'll never treat my children like that. I'll never spank my children. I'll never make my kids wear hand-me-downs. I'll never be poor again. I'll never make my kids work like this. No one is ever gonna hurt me like this again. I'll never let my husband, I'll never let my wife treat me like that. And so you're, you're growing up or you're earlier in life and you're going through hurts and things like that. And it's innocent. We, we don't do it to be evil. We just do it to comfort ourselves and say, I'm not coming back here. I'm not coming back here ever again. And it's comforting to us. But it's sin. How do you break inner vows? You recognize it and you just say, I remember when I was going through that divorce and I said no one would ever treat me like that again, and I've become hard-hearted, and I'm mean to my new spouse. You repent, and repentance just means change your mind, just change your thinking, and repentance just means I didn't have, I did it to comfort myself I shouldn't have, Lord. I I don't have the right to become Lord of my own life. You know, every person has been hurt. we, We all know that. Some people have been devastated. Some some of you watching right now, you've been devastated. I mean, someone rejected you, they hurt you, maybe divorced you or cheated on you or stole your money or did you wrong or something like that, and it's devastating. And when it is, we have a critical decision to make, and that is, are we going to forgive? Sometimes, you know, it's not the devastating things, it's just the annoying things. It's maybe our spouse or... Uh, a a sibling or a friend or someone at work, and it's just an annoyance, but it turns into bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, and it changes everything. You know, Jesus died for our sins so that we could be completely 100% forgiven, but he requires of us that we forgive other people to the degree God will give us as much grace as we give away. That's another way to say it. And so to the degree that we're willing to forgive others, God is willing to forgive us. But when we withhold forgiveness, when we make the decision that says, I'm not gonna forgive my ex-husband. I'm not gonna forgive my stepfather or my stepmother. I'm not gonna forgive my business partner or my ex-friend or whoever it was. At that point, God still loves us. We're still on our way to heaven. That, That will never change. But God's grace stops flowing in our lives. And what that means is, is that, We begin to get hard-hearted, we begin to get bitter. There's a separation that occurs between God and us, and us and others, because we become hard-hearted, we become cynical. Literally, our entire perspective in life changes because we want justice. See, but here's the problem with justice. If God is gonna give you justice regarding that person that you are mad at, because you're, you're basically saying, I'm not gonna go forward until I get justice. Well, then God's gonna have to give you justice. AND IF YOU'RE A SMART PERSON, YOU'LL REALIZE, I DON'T WANT JUSTICE, I WANT MERCY, OKAY? I DON'T WANT JUSTICE. WELL, IF GOD'S GONNA GIVE ME MERCY, I'VE GOT TO GIVE MERCY TO OTHERS. LUKE 6, JESUS SAYS, BE MERCIFUL AND YOUR FATHER IN HEAVEN WILL BE MERCIFUL TOWARD YOU. WHATEVER YOU GIVE AWAY, GOD'S GONNA GIVE IT BACK TO YOU. SO JESUS SAID, LOVE YOUR ENEMIES, BLESS THOSE WHO CURSE YOU, PRAY FOR THOSE WHO MISTREAT YOU. AND THAT'S EXACTLY WHAT HE MEANT. WE NEED TO LOVE OURSELVES BY FORGIVING OTHER PEOPLE. IT'S THE MOST SELF-LOVING THING THAT YOU CAN POSSIBLY DO. I ENCOURAGE YOU TO TAKE THE STEPS TODAY TO FORGIVE, TO BLESS, AND TO GO ON WITH YOUR LIFE, TO LIVE THE OVERCOMING LIFE THAT GOD HAS CALLED YOU TO LIVE. GOD BLESS YOU. I'LL SEE YOU RIGHT HERE NEXT TIME.
1: Understand how to have a real relationship with God and the foundations of knowing Him with Jimmy's new series, The Good Life. This practical series will show you how to experience God through prayer, the key to hearing God's voice and how to conquer your thought life. For your gift of $50 or more, we'll send you The Good Life series on CD or audio download, plus Jimmy's book, 10 Steps Toward Christ. For your gift of $90 or more, we'll send you the series on DVD or video
0: download and the book. And here's my prayer that I pray on a regular basis. God, close doors for me that no man can open and open doors for me that no man can close until I'm standing in your perfect will. For your
1: gift of any amount, we'll send you the message, a daily dynamic prayer life as a digital download.
0: And when you wake up in the morning, you say, I don't know, I don't know what to pray about. What are you worried about? Right, your prayer list is your worry list.
1: God has a fulfilling plan for you. Experience the good life today.
2: Imagine a relaxing, adventurous cruise among glaciers, mountains, and charming fishing villages. Combined with life-changing marriage teaching from Jimmy Evans, you can visit the stunning coastline with the love of your life on the EXO Marriage Cruise to Alaska. Set sail June 29th to July 6th, 2018 on the five-star Oceana Regatta. Beginning in Seattle, Washington, we'll cruise north to Ketchikan, Alaska. We'll journey through the peaceful Tracy Arm Fjord. Spend your days exploring God's majesty as revealed in the spectacular waterfalls and wildlife of Alaska. Then spend romantic evenings with your spouse as Jimmy Evans and other guests teach you how to build the marriage of a lifetime. Unforgettable views, luxurious accommodations, and eight days of romance in one of the most scenic parts of North America. Book your stateroom now at exomarriagecom slash cruise. Thank you for watching The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans.
1: Support The Overcoming Life with your best gift and receive the series, The Good Life.
2: Join Jimmy and Karen Evans on the EXO Marriage Cruise to Alaska, June 29th to July 6th on the Oceana Regatta. Register now at exomarriage.com slash cruise.
1: This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.